Wasn't that fantastic? Amen. So good to be with each and every one of you tonight. Well, wasn't our praise and worship just phenomenal this morning and tonight? Amen. Kyler and Lacey. Kyler went all Pentecostal on us tonight. And it was wonderful to watch and observe and be a part of that. Well, as you all know, today's a big day. That's Pastor's Appreciation. So good to be with you. So honored to be able to come up here and just bring the word uh, to you tonight. I just have a simple word I'm going to bring, but before we do, I just want to uh, um, pay honor to our pastor. Um, you know, I was thinking about, I think, was it in August of 86 when you all came? August of 86. Okay, well, I thought so. And so I looked up some big moments that happened in history in 1986. And the great John Tesh made his first appearance on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, I, some of you all, some of you know I'm talking about, John Tesh. Anybody ever watched the movie Stand By Me? Oh, yeah, you're showing your age now. Yeah. Mark McGuire hit his very first major league home run in August of 1986. I remember being at a Cardinals baseball game where he hit three individual home runs, and that was just, during his heyday, that was just unbelievable. Um, the fastest man alive, Usain Bolt, was born in August of 1986. And those are all great moments, but you know, truly, and, and to be serious for just a moment, God did something great right here in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. He did. It was the beginning of something awesome. He sent the absolute best pastors that we could ever have to the best congregation that there has ever been. And I know you have already done it many times over, but would you right now, that was a big moment. Look what God has done in 36 years. Would you give them a hand clap of appreciation? Huge moment. Huge, huge moment. Amen. So pastors right up there with the likes of John Tesh and other greats in history. Again, it's just so good to be with you. One thing I love about our pastor, and uh, I just want to preach a word to you tonight. One thing that uh, having went to this church and you know being on staff and being around him, uh, you learn to appreciate the word. And he is a word preacher. Somebody say amen to that. A lot of preachers get up, tell stories. A lot of preachers just get up and, and just kind of ramble on, but he, he preaches the word, and we are better for it. And um, I want to just try and do my best tonight. I'm going to build a little bit of an introduction. I'm going to be preaching out of Mark chapter 4. You can remain seated tonight. I'm, I'm going to build an introduction, and then I'm going to get to the word that I'm going to, to get to. It's Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Again, you can remain seated. I want to do an introduction, and then we'll get into it in just a moment. But I'm going to ask Brother Marvin if he would pray over this evening's word.
Amen and amen. I want to preach to you tonight on the topic of protect the word. Protect the word in your life. I don't know if you noticed or not, but we're living in a time where the church and many Christians are at a point to where they are hunkering down. They have went into a preservation mode. They have went into this stage where they are trying to protect and where they are trying to preserve things that are near and dear to them. All across this country right now and around the world, you see the financial crisis that's going on. You see people that are doing everything in their ability to protect their IRAs, their investments, their 401ks. You, I personally know of families that are buying up food stores for fear of the future and food, uh, food shortages. I'm talking about practical things there. But then above and beyond that, in the spiritual and in the moral realm, we see that people are trying to hunker down and they're trying to preserve and they're trying to protect things such as family values, things such as moral values, things such as Christian values. We see that there is a fight on to preserve rights and liberties. And all of those things in and of themselves and many, many other things are worthwhile and worth fighting for. Seeing people devoted to something bigger than themselves is inspiring. It's awesome to watch people that are moved into action because they are so committed to a person or they're committed to a cause that they're willing to make great sacrifice and do things for the sake of the cause, for something bigger than themselves. And when we talk about devotion, when we're talking about protection, we're talking about a level of loyalty. We're talking about having um, something inside of them that says, I will not waver. Something where there is such a love for or an affection or an admiration that they're saying, I will not give up on this, whatever this may be. This kind of devotion, this kind of protection involves sacrifice. You see this kind of devotion in things such as marriages. People that get devoted into marriage, when you take those vows and you're making that devotion to one another and before God, it is awesome to see long-lasting marriages. The many ups and downs that they go through, but yet there is a devotion, there's a loyalty, there's a... Uh, where they don't waver in anything. You see people that are devoted to families, to friendships, to churches. There's probably no worse feeling than being devoted to something that you think you could lose. Being devoted to something that you feel is just on a shoestring that's just hanging out here, that's just barely hanging on. And it's almost a sickening feeling, the thing that you value, this thing that you are loyal to, this thing that you are devoted to, this thing that you are trying to protect and trying to preserve, to lose it and feel gone, there's almost no worse feeling than that. There's often a tendency, if you lose something of great value, to replace it with something of even lesser value. 
Because this thing that was gone, you just start naturally looking for something else to give yourself over to. But tonight, I want to talk to you about being devoted and about protecting the Word of God and not just the Word of God, but protecting the Word of God in you. That's important. I want to talk to you about being devoted and protecting the Word of God that you have in you. How valuable is the Word of God in your life? How devoted are you to the Word of God? We have and live in a culture where people will say you can worship or serve whatever kind of God or religion or faith that you want to. People don't even like the name of Jesus in this country today, in this culture today, but they'll tolerate it. But the moment you start quoting the word, you start setting boundaries and you start setting parameters where you are associating your faith with certain standards. There is an authority, there is a boundary, there is a protection. The word provides a level of standard, it provides a level of living and holiness that we are to strive for. And so the moment that you start being loyal to the word and start being devoted to the word, the enemy is coming after the word of God and not just the word of God, but the word of God in you. I cannot overstate and I cannot exaggerate the importance of the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verse 7, it says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In fact, the Hebrew term for that middle phrase there, the law of the Lord, it simply means Scripture. It's not talking about the 613 laws that are prescribed in the Old Testament. It's just a statement meaning that all of Scripture is perfect and it is fit for converting the soul. It goes on to say that it converts the soul, meaning that it transforms. Have you ever known anybody truly transformed by the Word of God? Have you ever known anybody, even in here tonight, me speaking the Word of God? quoting the Word of God, which we're going to jump into in just a minute. There is power in the Word of God. It revives. It restores. And when you take the Word of God and you couple it with faith, things happen. It doesn't always happen immediately in the natural, but you are setting things into motion in the spiritual, which frankly is more real than what we see. It begins to set things into motion that in God's timing, he takes that word coupled with your faith, coupled with your prayer, and he begins to manifest it in the natural. There's power in the word. It goes on to say that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Again, the Hebrew, talking about simple in this Hebrew context, it comes from a root word meaning open door where it talks about making wise the simple, your mind is like an open door. That's not always a good thing. Somebody say amen. amen. 
I don't know anybody that leaves the door open to their house at night. I go to great lengths and great pains at night to make sure that my garage door is shut, that my basement door is shut, that my back door is shut, that my front door is shut and everything is locked down. And at certain times, I turn the ring on so that if some joker decides to come in in the middle of the night, I will know and he will have a rude awakening. Somebody say amen. We go into this phase and he uses this expression, making wise the simple. In other words, this open door. Your mind is like an open door. You want to vet and you want to protect what comes into your mind. You don't want to leave the, the door wide open to your mind. You want to close the door to all of the foolishness and all of the nonsense. And God knows there's no shortage of foolishness right now. Somebody say amen. But it says that the word of the Lord, it makes wise the simple. In other words, God's word will begin to bring wisdom to your open mind. Listen, it's one thing to be open-minded, but it's another thing to be foolish. Come on, somebody. It's time to apply the word, study the word, memorize the word, take it to heart. And the Bible points out that it will make you wise. In other words, you'll know when to shut the door and when to open the door up. Come on, somebody. It also says in that verse that it will make you rejoice. Rejoicing in the heart. Why should we rejoice? Because if you are a true believer and you believe in the Word of God and the power of the Word of God, then you know that you have the truth. This Word is absolute. I know that everything hinges and is settled on the Word of God. And when we, have a when we have a world that comes in and questions everything that goes on, we have truth that is settled in the Word of God, and that should bring rejoicing, letting us know that everything is settled and we know what's to come to pass. We rejoice because there's power in the promises of the Word. Did you know that there are over five thousand promises in the word of God and if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ you are part you're truly redeemed you're part of spiritual Israel then all of those promises are yours but did you know you got to know what the promise is in order to claim it you got to know what that promise is in order to claim it and activate it in your life now listen you can experience all of those promises through devotion but here's where I really want to get to tonight. How are you at protecting the Word of God in your heart? Because it takes more than just coming in and enjoying the Word. You have to fight to protect the Word of God in your life. How do I know this? Well, Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. Again, you can remain seated. I'm just going to read through these verses quickly. Very familiar. It says this, that the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. And when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves. They are short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word. Did you get that? Because of the word, there will be persecution. That's what he's saying there. 
and immediately they stumble. Others are sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the words, but the worries of this age, the seduction of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the ones sown on good ground are those who hear the word, welcome it, and produce a crop 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. I want to point out three quick things to you tonight. The Bible says right there at the very beginning that the enemy comes immediately. Right now, as I'm preaching this word, the enemy would love to come in here immediately. He would love to come in and to distract and take away the power of the word that's going on. And truthfully, this is probably the most effective way that the enemy comes against the body of Christ. How do I know this? Well, what do you mean he comes in immediately? Well, if you come in, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, I'm just, we're all human beings in here tonight. Come on, is this okay? Can we just get right down to where we live? If we come in and we got a bad attitude, maybe we've had a bad day, maybe we're ill-willed, maybe we're angry at somebody in the church and we can't do anything but think on it and fume on it whenever you're sitting there in the seats and all this preaching is going on, if that's going on immediately, you have no receptivity to the Word of God. There's no power in it. Maybe you come in and maybe you, you can't pay attention to what's going on. Maybe you got a clouded mind. Listen, the devil understands the power of the Word of God. He understands that there is power in it and that if some people ever grab a hold of the Word that's going out, something that's being preached, something that's being taught, if people ever grab a hold of that and they immediately internalize that, then their lives are forever changed. And so he does everything he can to immediately come in and sow something in your heart, sow something in your mind, so that whenever the word goes out, it goes in one ear, right out the other, and it never has an opportunity to reach your ground. Right here. I know all kinds of people that can quote scripture chapter and verse up here, but it has never reached the ground. It's never gotten to the ground where their heart is. And if the enemy can come in and he can steal that before it ever has an opportunity to be planted, you walk out the door the same exact way you came in. But God wants to be in the business of doing something to change you through the word. His word will change you. His word will empower you. It will transform you. It will revive you. Listen, I don't care what kind of a bad day you've had. There is an answer to it in the word. He knows the power. If it ever gets planted. I know farmers right now. I got 32 acres. I was scared to death. Wasn't going to be planted this year. Because of all the rain. And then I got the text the other day. It's planted. Thank God. Now we're on to having a harvest. And I'm looking forward to a 30, 60, 100 fold. Come on, somebody. And the same is true in the Word of God. When you begin to get it in your heart and out of your mind and get it way down deep in you, that's when the harvest takes place. The word is alive. It is active. Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of word. 
Sometimes all it takes is a little bit of word to transform and redirect your path to a whole nother area, to a whole nother way of doing things. So you've got to play defense. You've got to guard your heart and you've got to guard your mind. You have to guard the word of God in your life. How do I know this? You have to hide the word in your life. You've got to hide it. Anything of any value, worth anything, is worth protecting and it's worth hiding. Hiding is a form of protection. It is a type of protection. If you were here for the Real Men Rally, Jeff Shackelford over in this side out in the foyer, he had a display of the Word of God, of the Bibles, and his collection is just unbelievable. I've never known a private collection like what he had. He had, he had bits of um, uh, papyrus, you know, going back almost 2,000 years, just little sections of the Word of God. He had vellum, which vellum, if you don't know, is just it's animal hides. It's like leather, you know, going back eight, nine hundred years old. He had Bibles, some Bibles that were seven, eight hundred years old and all the way up and the different translations from this group and all this kind of stuff. And it was so interesting because he had all these displays up and all these um, descriptions and he would talk about the different translations and what this person went through whenever they were translating the Bible and, and all the pe people, listen, people die because of the word of God. They die because of it and people are dying for it. And you say, well, yeah, Josh, that's something long ago. No, no, I'm talking about right now. There's many countries all over this world where it is illegal to have the word of God. And so you have believers that to this day, they're hiding the word of God. They, they'll take it. I remember pastor and, uh, and, and Randy and different ones and not just them, but they'll, they'll tell you stories that, you know, smuggling Bibles into China. Smuggling, it's not like they could go down to Walmart and pick out whatever kind of translation they want, but you got to hide the word. And it was so valuable to them. It was worth the risk. It was worth the risk. Jeff told me, he said, Josh, he said that, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, whenever they would literally hand write out every, every translation of the Bible, they would do it. In, and he said, some people would literally pay an entire year's wages for a Bible. And they would guard that thing and they would protect it. And many times during, during times of persecution, if they came in and you had a, a certain translation or you, you were part of this group, if they found you with the Bible, they would kill you. You have to hide the word. People hide all kinds of things, money, jewelry, important papers. They put it in a safe place, a protected place, a hidden place, so enemies cannot take it from you. Listen to what David said in Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, David hid the word. He internalized the word. In other words, and he did it quickly. He got a hold of it and he quickly put it in his heart. Why did he do it quickly? So the enemy doesn't have the ability to steal the effect and the truth of the word which would result in sin. You know why so many Christians live a mediocre Christian life? It's because they haven't internalized the word of God. 
But if they would just get a hold of the promises, if they would just get a hold of the provision, they would know what it is to live an overcoming life in Jesus Christ. Did you know that ignorance of the word of God robs us of truth and blessing? That's why it's so important to get the word in your kids. Get it in them young. We get robbed of the truth of the blessings found in the word of God. Listen, there comes a point in time where we are responsible for what we don't know. That's literally what David was referencing. I hid your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. He had to have the word so that he would know not to sin. Had he not known the word, he would have sinned and he would have paid a price and he would have missed out on the promises and the blessing and the provision of God. There is so much for us as believers right in the word of God. His word's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. The Bible points that the word sanctifies us. The Bible says that the word is spirit and it is life. The Bible says that his word is eternal and it will never pass away. The Bible says that it is good for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. Luke 11 verse 28 says this, that blessed are those that hear the word of God and keep it. You're blessed. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says this, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Listen, you are saved through the word of God. It's all for these reasons and many, many more that you have to protect. You have to get and you have to protect the influence of the word of God before it is taken from, of you, from you. Some of you need to put up just like ring cameras all over your heart. How many of you got ring or you got some kind of home security? Raise your hand. Don't ever mess with those people. Don't ever mess with them. Why do you do it? Because it's a level of protection. You need to take it just as seriously in your heart. Because the enemy knows that if he can get to you, he will rob you of healing. He will rob you of hope. He will rob you of refreshing in life. He is after the word of God in your life because the word is bigger than us. His word is bigger than us. We have Christians that go through life that'll be like, ah, you know, I get enough word on Sunday. But really what you're saying is that, is that you know what, I got enough. I, I'll get through life. I'll get through this dilemma. I'll get through this issue. I got enough. Listen, do you have any idea just how important the word of God is? Because if it ever gets inside of you, things will change in your life. Number two, the second point is this, and I'm kind of lumping these together the rocky ground and the thorns. These are the things that over time and not immediately that will begin to strangle out the effect of the word of God in your life. They're not the immediate thing. These are the things that slowly, subtly, hard places, the Bible points out that, that, that chapter there, hard places, cares of life. And what are those things doing? They begin to compete for time and prominence. They compete for time and prominence in your life. Those things come after they begin to replace the word of God. It even mentions this, that prosperity can take the place of the word of God. You need to understand this, and you all know this is true. 
I would hope is that at different points and times in your life, you will have different levels of care and prosperity. Sometimes you'll be up, sometimes you'll be down, sometimes life will be, you know, on this huge trajectory. Other words, sometimes it's going to be down, sometimes life can be better or worse, but the word will remain. Come on. The word will remain. We live in a world where everybody wants less cares. In other words, care less. And they want more prosperity. But the Bible points out that there's even a level of deceit in that. That's what Jesus said. The seduction of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. This is what happens when people begin to uh, have a tendency to doubt the word of God. There are people that will even get to the point to where they reject the word because it appears that the word says one thing, but the reality says another thing. Anybody ever went through one of those seasons in your life? Come on. Where you start preaching the word, you start claiming the word, you start trying to receive the word of God for your life. You make all these confessions, you make all these professions, but it seems like life is going another way. How many of you know what I'm talking about right there? We've all been there. People start to ignore the word. People try and begin to the point where they reject it. And people even begin to be offended by the word because it does not meet their expectation. They get upset with the word of God. Well, God, your word says this, but I'm not living in that. I'm not operating at that level. That must be for so-and-so Christian. That must be for them. But that's not really for me. And so they never live in the word. They never read the word. Think, well, I'll never understand it. It's too complicated. It's not for me. This is just lies and tricks of the enemy. But I want to tell you something, that the Word of God is more real than your reality. The Word of God is more alive than you are. The Word of God is settled and it is true and it never changes. In spite of your circumstance, it will never change. It never dies. Heaven and earth might pass away, but His Word will never die. It will never change. The word is vital for your life. We got to be careful not to lose our first love. The truth is, is that people begin to replace the word of God with other things and the word loses prominence. It loses importance in their life. I want to make a statement here. The fact is, is that you are the one with the power to make the word of God fruitful in your life. I want to make that statement again. You are the one with the power to make the word of God fruitful in your life. Did you know it's not even up to God? It's not even up to you. It's not even up to the devil. You say, well, what do you mean by that? His word will produce. You just have to proclaim it. You just have to believe it. You just have to stand on it. God basically says, if you'll take the word and operate in it, you will see fruit. It's not up to God if there's fruit from the word. It's up to you to believe it and activate it and it'll happen. And the enemy will come in and he'll lie to you and he'll try and cheat you out of it saying, oh, it doesn't work or it's old-fashioned, it isn't true and all this kind of stuff. And if you buy that lie, you miss out on the blessings of God. So the question is, how do you steward the word of God in your life? Are you protecting the word of God in your life? 
When you protect the word of God, this is when you say yourself and when you say to God, and even when you tell the enemy that the things of this world do not compare to the word of God in my life. You put the enemy on notice because anything that competes with God and his word is a displaced passion. You ever seen people get passionate over weird, goofy things? I won't mention any. <laughs> Some people are like, go ahead. No, I'm, I don't know. Here's my last point in closing is this. Point number three. I want to bring this to a close. I'm going to ask the musicians to come tonight if you would. We're living in a time where you've got to get stirred but not shaken. Some of you are saying, are you trying to quote James Bond? No, I'm not. That was shaken, not stirred. I'm reversing it. You've got to get to a point in your life to where you are stirred and not shaken. Listen, the things of this world will shake you. When I talk about shaking, I'm talking about fear. Things of this life will make you fearful. In fact, I, I heard a, a recent list, and I don't say this to shake you, just let me read this list and then I'll get to the good part at the end. In the world right now, we are seeing war and rumors of war, the issues in Russia, the invasion of Ukraine, the threats of Putin to hit the United States with what he calls Satan missiles. He says all he needs are four Satan missiles armed with nukes and he can take out the United States. Who knows if he's telling the truth. We hear of the rising inflation that's eating away at people's retirement and their incomes. We hear of intrusive surveillance of people with certain technologies. In fact, I heard just the other day that something that's being proposed from various groups around the world, the World Economic Forum, is that eventually they want to get everybody in the world, every single person in the world, where you pay a personal tax on the amount of carbon that you use. The entire world. In other words, if you go on a vacation, you have to enter in all of your information, telling them how far you traveled, where you went, so that they can tabulate how much carbon you emitted and they want to tax you on it. The only way they can do that is put it on surveillance and they know where you are at all times. And I'm sure their motives are pure. Come on, somebody. I'm sure they would never sell it to the government. Come on, somebody. We hear of the rise of the digital currency to where every transaction that you, there is no more, hey, it's my grandson's birthday. I want to give him 20 bucks. No, you'll have to do it through the digital currency to where Washington, D.C. will know every dollar that is spent and where you spend it. They're already doing this in China. And if you spend your money in certain ways they don't like, they lock down your accounts. You think they won't do that here? Extreme weather events, global plagues, monkeypox. Didn't know that was a thing. False teachers, 
increase of violence. We have an increase in depravity, just, just weird, gross stuff going on. And now it's accepted as normal and natural. We see a move toward one world systems. We see a loss of morality. We see a decrease in church attendance. We see a rise of communist China to take the place of the United States and any other power as the world superpower. We see an increase of hatred of Israel by Iran and all of its proxies that have right now threatened to destroy Israel if they can just get their hands on a nuke. We see a move of Israel. Listen, Israel is no bigger than the state of New Jersey. And it is on the center stage of the world. You say, well, Josh, you're, you're, you know, you're throwing a lot of stuff that's depressing. Here's, here, here's what I want you to get tonight. This is what I want you to understand. Everything that I just told you was predicted right here. Everything I just told you was predicted right here. And because the Word of God says it, we know how things end in the end. So while there is a shaking going on in the world, it doesn't shake me, but it does stir me. It stirs me to action knowing that the time is short, knowing that Jesus is on the throne, knowing that we had better get about the king's business because he's coming back soon. Come on, church. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll get shaken. But when you get in the Word, you'll understand that there's no need to be shaken. Let it stir you. Let the Word of God stir you. When hardships come, let the Word stir you. When trial and tribulation come, and they will, be stirred by the Word. When delayed promises come and it seems like the Lord's taking his time, understand that God has got everything in control. He never promised you, he never promised you a safe journey, just a safe arrival. The word serves as hope and a foundation for your life. You have got to protect. You've got to protect it in your heart. I hear the Apostle Paul saying to us, like what he told Timothy, get stirred in your spirit. Get stirred up, church. Allow the Word of God to move you, move you into action, move you into compassion, move you into uh, 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 love, move you into the power of the Holy Spirit and doing things. Keep the flame alive. Stir up that gift that is inside of you. Because I want to tell you something. Faith is best used when it's stirred up. We don't need a dead faith. We need a faith that is alive and active and on the move and that by the Word of God. I want to just mention something here. As I was putting this message together, there was just a, one specific thought. And, and please, church, don't misunderstand. I don't want anybody walking out of here. The, just the Lord just dropped this thought on me. He said, some of us are so scared about losing our Second Amendment rights, but what if they come for the Word of God next? What if they come for the Word? 
people make these, oh, I'll, oh, out of my cold, dead hands, will they take the gun out of my, well, what would you say the same about the word? Come on, church. What about the word of God in your life? How valuable is it? I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. I want you to know I am pro-Second Amendment. I'm for all of our rights. I don't want anybody to understand and walk out here thinking I'm not. But I'm going to tell you what, the Word is more important. The Word is more important. There are, you say, well, Josh, how do you have an altar call when you're talking about this? And there, I just want to mention I'm just going to rapid fire six things that the Lord gave me about the word. And you say, well, well, why? Because when I mention these things, what I want you to do at the end of them, I want you to make a step of faith. If you want to, I'm not, I'm not going to compel everybody. If you want to, if this is for you, you make a step of faith. Because at the end of this, when you step out, you are claiming the promises. There's six things, and there's many, many, many more, but these are the six things that I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me for tonight's message. Here's six things that the Word of God will do for you. Number one, He will guide you. He will guide you. The Word of God guides us. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We are living in some crazy times where people need guidance. His Word will guide you. A next thing, and, and, and this is okay, I'm not... I'm not preaching negative. Did you know it will convict you of sin? The Word of God will convict you of, of sin. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And it will divide those things. It cleanses, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. In other words, you come in and you don't know what to do. Maybe you're, you, you feel like things in your life aren't where they need to be or whatever. The Word says in Ephesians 5, verse 26, that it's the washing of the Word. The promises, the renewing of the... It just washes over you. The Word will show you who you were meant to be. Let, let me get real specific right now. And, and this is... I say this out of compassion. I say this out of genuine love. There is a group of people right now that are so confused about their identity. Come on. They're so confused about their identity. Born a boy, but think they're a girl. And because we live in such a world, we live in such a time, the enemy will love to just come in and confuse people's identity. God births them one way, but the enemy says, no, you're not that way, you're something else. That's a lie. The Word of God will tell you who you are, that you are beautifully and fearfully made Jesus Christ. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High. You were never a mistake. How God created you falls right in line with His plan for your life. His Word will show you who you were made to be. Number five, his, it will rid your heart of evil. You say, what do you mean? James chapter 1 verse 21 says this. Humbly accept the Word planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. In other words, to get rid of all of the junk and the filth. The Word will do that. And the final thing is this. It instructs and it corrects. It encourages you. 
How many of you ever needed a word? You get in the word and then all of a sudden you're encouraged. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you tonight, would you bow your head? We had better be word people in this day and time. We had better be in the word like never before. That isn't, you know, that, that isn't, that, that's just a word of caution there. And some of you are saying, well, Josh, I need that guidance. I need the word to help me correct me of sin. I need to be cleansed and washed by the word. I need the Holy Spirit through the word to show me who I am. I need it to correct and to instruct me. Listen. Let me tell you how this works. Bring, bring it down for just a second, praise team. Everybody look up here. The Lord just showed me this. Let me tell you how this works. The words on these pages, the ancient writers, this was called graphe. The word graphe, Greek graphe. Jesus is the logos. He is the word. And then you have the rhema word. You say, well, Josh, what word are you talking about? Let me explain to you how it, how it applies to your life. The Holy Spirit came and he breathed on the authors of the scriptures, the graphe. They begin to write down as the Holy Spirit began to instruct and breathe on them. And that was given at the direction of Logos, the Word, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, Logos. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The word logos begin to instruct Holy Spirit to dictate graphe so that in your moment of need, your rhema word would come through. And God begins to move through that. It's one thing when you're in the word and you're just reading the words on the page, but when the Holy Spirit brings to light the intended purpose and where you are in that moment, Logos goes into action and the rhema word becomes alive for your moment of need. I tell people all the time in my class on Wednesday nights that whatever you're going through, I give them just a basic instruction. If you're going through financial hardship, if you're going through temptation, if you're going through some kind of a struggle, I tell them all the time, go look up verses. Go look up scriptures that deal specifically with that, that thing, that issue, that whatever it is. And you begin to claim that and you begin to speak it and you begin to live it. And when the enemy comes in, you put him to flight and you tell him to get out of the house and you resist him and you submit to God and you will let the Holy Spirit and the Word begin to bring you victory in time. And those of you that are saying, Josh, I need that guidance of the word. I need it to help me with my sin issues. I need it to cleanse me. I need it to tell me who I am. I need it to rid the, my heart of all the evil. I need instruction, correction, encouragement. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you, come on, that's all of us, right? I'm gonna invite you to the front real quick. I'm gonna invite you to the front. I love our church and the emphasis that we have put on reading the word. How many of you have gotten anything out of that so far this year? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I've had testimonies. I've had people coming to me. They're, they're talking about things, and there's some of it's funny, some of it's interesting. I've had certain people say, Josh, it, it rocked me. I didn't know that was in there. I didn't realize I was supposed to be. I've had people tell me, I didn't know this was wrong. And you say, what are you talking about? That's the word of God because now they're hiding it in their heart. Listen, church, this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. I read those six things. We have got to fall in love with the word of God again. Fall in love. Would you right now bow your head and raise your hands? There was a point in time in history where people were willing to sacrifice their own lives just so that you and I can have the word of God that we have today. So in love with the word of God and the Holy Spirit would come down and inspire that word in their hearts and it wouldn't shake them up, it would stir them up. It would stir them to faith. And some of you right now are going through some issues, you're going through some things you're going through some struggles. You're going through some temptations. You're going through some strongholds. Maybe some of you are dealing with some spirits. Maybe some of you are missing out on some blessings and you're saying, I don't know what to do. Listen, I tell you what to do. You get in the Word and you start believing. You start professing. You start claiming. You start standing on the Word of God. And I know how things look in the natural What's happening in the spiritual is more real and more authentic than your experience in this moment. You have to trust that. You have to believe that. And in time, if you'll give God time, if you'll give Him a moment to show Himself, if you'll give Him a little space to move and let Him work His plan, He will begin to reveal Himself and activate those promises for your life. Anytime somebody comes up to me for prayer on healing, all I know to do is quote scripture. I pray scripture. I don't care what your healing is. I just start going to Isaiah 53. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our pieces upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. I don't understand it. I don't always know God's timing. I don't know when. I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know why God chooses to heal some and why he doesn't heal others, but I know he's got a plan and his plan is bigger than me and God is good and he's trustworthy and no matter what happens, his word is true. Would you right now raise your hands and whatever that issue is, whatever that struggle, that thing that you're going through, start appropriating the word. Some of you that know the word, that can quote the word over your circumstance right now, begin to quote it. Begin to speak it. Listen, if you don't know the word, there is no shame in that. We are not, we're, we're not about making fun of people. We're not about ridicule. Grab the hand of somebody standing next to you that you hear quoting scripture right now. And you begin to just apply that by faith. Come on. Come on, word church. Come on. you are in financial difficulty. All these things that we talked about, the fears, no, it doesn't shake us. We're stirred. Seated on the throne of glory, I am
what the word of the Lord really is to our lives. You know, as a young man, I got called to preach, and I knew that I had to hide the word of my heart. There was a mentor, a minister. My pastor was one of my favorite preachers, Wilkie White, and he was probably the number one mentor in my life. But there was one of the men in our denomination that I looked up to named Ray Hughes. You hear me preaching about him all the time. One of the most powerful preachers that you've ever met in your life. And he would take a little Bible and he would preach and he would come to the pulpit and throw it down. Open your Bibles and he'd just quote that word. Quote chapters and chapters and chapters. And he would preach under the authority and the power of God. I thought, I want to be like that man someday. And of course... I don't have that brilliant of a mind. I have to work at it, uh, you know, to try to memorize the scripture. And my wife and I, when we first got married, I didn't know a whole lot about what Bible to get or whatever. And she got me, a, she's got a Schofield Bible. She said, I'll get you a Schofield Bible. And I looked at it and I'd read it a little bit of hers. I said, oh, I don't really like that Bible. And uh, she ended up getting me a Thompson Chain Bible. And it, had a lot of references in the back and I got to learning how to manage it and maneuver in it. And over the years, that same Bible is just completely wore out. I've marked all in it and I've got notes. Genesis chapter 28 is not even there. My One of my grandkids had ripped it out and it's disappeared. So when I go preach revivals, if the Lord leads me to there, I have to carry two Bibles just in case that chapter comes up. But I won't get rid of that Bible. That's the one I study, and it's on my desk right now. And you know, to this day, if you ask me about a story, I can picture exactly where it's at in my Bible. It's over in the right-hand corner. Of my, I've read that thing over and over and over. But more importantly, as you hide it in your heart, that word becomes a part of who you are. It begins to give you that instruction, that discipline, that cleansing. One of my first scriptures that I ever memorized, not the first, but one of them was Ephesians 5 and 26, how he sanctifies by the washing of the water of the word. And so I said, you know what? I think I'll memorize every scripture that has the word of God based. And I just started going through the word of God. And Josh has quoted many of them tonight. And I can quote those. I've got them memorized. And I thought about how precious the word of God is to me. And in the last two weeks, I have received more instruction and more revelation from the Lord concerning the church than I have in the last 18 months to two years. It's amazing. Last night at 2.30 in the morning, the Lord began to speak to me, and this has been going on all week long for two weeks. I have not had no sleep hardly. It's just constant speaking to my mind. I toss and I turn and I get up. And last night I'm sitting there and he's speaking to me. Kent, you better write this down. I'll remember that, Lord. I'm, I mean, I'm tired. It's 2.30 in the morning. You've been there, haven't you, David? And I'm laying there in that bed last night, and I thought, man, that, that just kept coming to me and coming to me and coming to me. You better get up and write it down. You're going to forget it in the morning. You won't remember that. And so I thought, okay, okay. So I get up, I get my phone out, and I start putting in my reminders. That's been going on over, and there's nothing more exciting to get a rainbow word from God, to know without a shot. I know that I know that I know. Everybody just says, always give a reason of the hope that lieth within you. Well, sometimes I just look at them and say, I know that I know. 
if you'd been there the night that he visited with me. If you were there the night the word of God jumped out of the pages at me. If you were there when the literal word spoke to me through the word of God. I want to tell you, them were some of the most life-changing moments. When I got called to preach, I took my Bible because I, my pastor had asked me to preach and I laid it on top of an altar. And when I closed my eyes to pray, the Bible opened up on its own and I heard the pages going, they're just opening. And I felt the wind and my hand was on fire and I was afraid to even open my eyes of what I might even see. And that night, God said, look and behold. And I was afraid and I wouldn't open my eyes. And he said, I said, look and behold. And I looked up and Romans 15, 16 come off the pages and was that big suspended in the air and it called me to be a minister of Jesus Christ being sanctified by the Holy Ghost ministering to the Gentiles. That's how I was called to preach by the word of God. The word of God's powerful and quicker and sharper than any two-edged. Woo, I feel like, I ain't got to preach all day, guys. That's dangerous. Hallelujah. You know, it just, the word of God is so rich. It's so pure. It's so wonderful. Have you ever been bathed in the Word of God? Just where it's just like fresh water. It's like fuller soap. It's like, man, I just got cleansed by the Word of the Lord. I want to tell you to get in the Word. Nothing more important than be Word-based. Nothing more important than to know it inside out, upside down. Cherish it. That old Bible, Jenny keeps, we bought, I bought two or three more now. But when I preach or I study, I got to go to my old Bible. I can't find nothing in them new Bibles. I've studied that in so long. And uh, there's another part in the, in the book of Matthew that is so war that if you did not know the scripture by memory, you would not know what it says because the, the, the ink is faded off of it. Where I've turned that page so many times. And you, one of some of the most precious things in that word is there's times I can open up and there's tear stains on pages where the Lord's ministered me and he'd bring that back to my mind. You remember that night, Kent? Yeah, Lord, I remember that night. Then I'll open another page and there's scribbles where one of the grandkids got a hold of it and put some marks on it. Now, oh, my children are being taught to look into the Word of God, even at a young age. They see it there. Get in the Word. I'm going to have a prayer over you. So I want to thank you for Pastor Appreciation Day. Thank Randy and Josh, two marvelous messages, two marvelous men, and Zach for everything that he done, and Mike, and Terry, and Melody, and Steve, and John wasn't here, and he gave me my regards before he even left. He's on vacation, if you want to know. And this praise team made me so proud this last two weeks. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are awesome. Hallelujah. And thank you. Whatever the gifts you have given, we, we so much appreciate it. Uh, that's not what we're about. It's humiliating to me and Jenny. And, and uh, we always pray what to do with it. And there's times the Lord leads us to do certain things. And um, I always said, my, I'm a little tight at times. And I said, my wallet's made out of dog hide. I reach in and it growls and barks and sometimes it'll bite me. And Jenny's purse is made out of dove feathers. Everything in it seems to fly away. And then when it flies away, it gathers little green things and brings it back and fills it back up. And though it goes out, when it comes back in, she ends up with more than what I do, who never gave anything. 
So in my lifetime, she's discipled me in how to give. But I love you and I appreciate you so much. You are the greatest congregation in all of the world. You are the greatest people. We got the greatest church. And folks, if you'll bear with me, in the next few days, I'm going to give some revelation to you. And God's going to speak to us and challenge us. And it's going to be hard. There's going to be times we're going to go, ouch. And there's going to be times we're going to say, oh, give me some more of that. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And I want to be smack dab in it. When God kisses the earth, I want to be right between the kiss and the earth, don't you? With his grace and with his mercy. I want to be a part of the end time revival that's here, that's in the land. It's here now. It's not coming. It's here. The rapture of the church is about to take place. But I tell you, God is speaking to the church. Have you felt the elevation of the church in the last few we, we We went another dimension in the last few months. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise for that. Hallelujah. And it's cause of preachers like Josh and Randy. Wasn't them two masterpieces? I thought Randy was going to be like my wife's purse. Get up and fly away this morning. Hallelujah. I've never quite seen him so excited to where he couldn't hardly talk. Um, and um, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I got to laughing at him. Hallelujah. I was going, sick it on him, Lord. Pour it on him, God. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to be the best cheerleader for those men and support them because they're the, my best cheerleaders. They're with me all the way. Thank you all, staff, all, this, all you wonderful people. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, help us to embrace the Word of God, the true, living, inspiring Word of God that's been breathed to us from on high. I pray, Father, that the Word of God would lead and guide and instruct and empower and quicken and teach and correct, instruct, and give us, Lord, life because it's in life is in the word. You said in John chapter six that the words I give unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Father, we grab a hold of that in the, in the, by the word of God. We wanna be living organisms, living vessels for the glory in the, of God and the kingdom of God. Help us to be in the center of your will, the hollow of your hand, fulfilling everything that you've called us to do and let us fulfill the mission of the church at the palace of praise for not only this year, but the years to come that we have remaining, then let us all be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air together. And we'll go up with a great shout as a church being obedient to the cause of the kingdom. And you will get glorified in everything that we do. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Shake hands, hug some necks. Tell each other you love each other in Jesus' name.